Welcome to Soundboard, the Steinway and Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. I'm your producer and host, Ben Finan, editor in chief at Steinway and Sons and for the online music magazine, listenmusicculture.com. My guest today is C. Brian Williams, founder and executive director of Step Africa, the world's first professional company dedicated to the tradition of stepping, a polyrhythmic percussive dance form that uses the body as an instrument. This was Soundboard's last in-person, pre-pandemic interview, and it took place in a dressing room in New York City's New Victory Theater on March 14th. Don't miss Step Africa's online Juneteenth celebration on Friday, June 19th. Visit stepafrica.org, with Africa spelled A-F-R-I-K-A, to learn more. Hi, Brian. How you doing, man? Corona, Corona. Thanks yeah. for having me. We're here in the, what are we in? We're in a dressing room. We're in the dressing room of the New Victory Theater. Of the New Victory Theater. You are loading out today. Yeah. Unanticipated move. Yeah. You got 17 shows in. These last six didn't make it. Yeah. Uh, we're all going to push pause for a while, and then hopefully we'll get back on our feet. Yes. Maybe we'll talk about that more later. What that process looks like. Mm-hmm. But first, I want to tell you about my experience with stepping okay maybe even just with african-american rhythm period. okay i want to give you my experience okay. with it because i think it's all about shared experiences yes it is and having that overlap so i grew up in east tennessee mm-hmm. and when thriller dropped i was in first grade <laughs> and everyone across the globe lost their minds that right. wasn't just a harlem no, no, phenomenon no, 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 no. So I remember I would break dance with my friend Dwayne on a piece of cardboard nice. when we were in the lawn, right? Right. Because we weren't urban. So right, we, right. This we, is, we set this, this cardboard up on the lawn. It went so That's far great. as to where I took a break dancing class, and at the end of every class, they would play Herbie Hancock's Rocket, and we would pass the invisible ball. You, yes, you yeah, that's, that? a, that's a classic. Like you, you tag in. Right, 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 right. <laughs> classic. So, yeah. A classic. So that's, that's, what, that's what we had going on. I played piano, so when it came time for marching band, I played yeah. snare drum, because that was the natural shift from mm-hmm. one percussive instrument to the other. You know, and we were in a D1 school. We thought we were all right. We had our Aladdin medley, mm. you know, marching band routine going on. We did a little stuff. But then when we would go to competitions, sometimes there would be drumline only competitions. Okay. Which we did not enter because we didn't have we didn't have such a huge bench. Yes. Right? So when we would go to black high schools and see their yeah. drum lines. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay, we're, we ain't shit. Even the high schools were amazing, huh? Yeah, that's crazy. Even the high schools were amazing. And and you could already feel it. And you could also feel there was an extra, there was some extra swagger. There was Mm -hmm. some extra pride there. Yes. That we hadn't experienced before, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So my first understanding of Step was through Spike Lee's school days. I remember those, I had remembered those scenes. Yes. You know, the G5Gs. Yes, that's a classic. And that was, and that's an entree for most Americans to Mm -hmm. the art form of stepping. Right. 1988. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the first of all black Greeks, 
the men of distinction, the brothers of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. I tell you all that to ask you this. Yeah. Your group is Step Africa. Yes. Whereas I had always seen Step as an African-American tradition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in knowing what the African connection yeah. is that you draw yes. uh, in, in what you do. Well, I mean, I mean, thanks for sharing that. I mean, uh, Step Africa, this is our 25th year performing and preserving this tradition of stepping all over the world. And we're the first professional company in the world dedicated to the art form of stepping. But the name of Step Africa is very specific. So just like you, I, School Days was a major introduction to the form, but I actually learned how to step prior to School Days release. I grew up in Houston, Texas, uh, came to Howard University in 1986. School Days is released in 1988 while I'm on campus. 1989... Mm -hmm. I pledged my fraternity, which is Alpha Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, which made a cameo appearance in right. school days. That's right. I learned how to step traditionally. So back in those days, the only way to learn how to step was if you became a member of a fraternity or sorority. So you couldn't go to a studio, a class. You had to become a part of these organizations. Yeah in order to even access the tradition. And at this time, these were sort of the aerobics years. Right, 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 right. right Popularly right, right. speaking, people were putting, on, is doing his thing. Yeah, people right, were putting right. on leotards, singles, right, singles, right, and right, doubles. Right, right, right. And doubles, right? Right, right, so right. So that's a far more rhythmic and soulful contrast mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to the, I mean, that was all Stevie Nicks music, like four on the floor that yeah, people yeah. were doing. Aerobics music, too. Right. right. Well, what's funny about that is like stepping, and what I learned about stepping, which fascinated me so much, was it had this kind of short American history. So the frats and sororities, historically black frats and sororities who developed stepping, started in the early 1900s okay. when African Americans first began to attend colleges and universities, right? You know, only maybe 30 years after the end of slavery in the United States. Mm -hmm. So they create these organizations on college campuses. And they begin to choose a very African way to celebrate. So they would sing songs in a circle. They would march in lines. And they would use a hand, the sounds of their hands and feet to accompany the music. And this slowly evolved into this tradition of stepping. It really started to explode around the 70s. So it had like about a 60-year gestation period in the country. Then the 70s hit, it gets very popular. African Americans are going to colleges and even wider numbers, mm -hmm. and then by the 80s, it's a roaring tradition, it's very popular, yet and still, most Americans would never see it. And, and this is black, white, yellow, all colors would not have experienced the form unless they were close to a college campus. Okay. School Days comes out, busted wide open. Right. Step Africa, it started six years later, 1994, after a trip I made to Johannesburg, South Africa. Okay, what did you see there that... Yeah, that triggered it all me. together. 
So I'm there. It's my first job after college. I'm super excited. I've been stepping in at college at Howard University. But my first job is to move and work in southern Africa. So I go to Lesotho, this tiny country inside South Africa, teaching small business skills, whatever I'm doing. And that's where I'm first exposed to the South African gum boot dance. Mm-hmm. It's a percussive dance created by men who worked in the mines of South Africa. It's also a contemporary South African dance form. So it's not like it's ages old. It's only like 100 years old, kind of like stepping. So I'm kind of struck by the similarities between these two art forms. And I'm like, stepping looks a lot like the gumboot dance. Why don't we know each other? Let's bring the two forms together. Step meets Africa. Step Africa, 1994. And that's when the journey begins. And we're now one of the largest... African-American dance companies in the world. So, so that's, that's a short story. Okay. <laughs> that's a quick one, right? <laughs> I'm thinking that, of course, these two forms are going to look similar because yeah. they're all coming from the same the tree, right? Yeah. They just took different paths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some biogeography that happens mm-hmm. when African-Americans take their the, old yes. traditions and they're developing in this way. Yeah. And in Africa, they're developing in another You're way. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And then what's even more fascinating for me is they both are art forms created by African people, African-Americans, black South Africans, when the drum is absent. Oh, interesting. What that led to... uh, Your your body becomes the drum. Right. All that heavy stomping and and, and clapping. Clapping the voice. Uh So then the other question that comes for Step Africa is, all right... Why did African-Americans start to choose the body as a primary drum, as a primary instrument? Did they not have access to drums? That's like, that's the hip hop narrative, right? We didn't have instruments. So we turned the, we made the turntable into an instrument. Exactly. So Uh why did we do that? Why is a drum so absent in African-American culture? The drums were taken away? They were. Yeah. So we came across, we started doing a lot, South Africa's been doing this research for 25 years. And our newest production, Drum Folk, is inspired by the Stoner Rebellion of 1739, which is a revolt started by Africans who were enslaved Mm -hmm. in 1739 in the then British colony of South Carolina. The Africans used their drums to call people across from long distances to start a war. It was successful for about two days. Then it got washed. Right, and like... And the drums were made an illegal weapon okay. in 1740, the Negro Act of 1740. Africans lost the right to read, to write, to gather in groups over seven, to wear the, whatever they wanted to wear. and They the, got de-unionized, effectively. Stripped. Yeah. And stripped of the drum. Right? And when the drum is, once the drum is taken away, then you start to see Africans, start. they become less African And I think the Americanization of Africans really begins there. Hence, Mm -hmm. the culture, African-American culture. Mm. It's really interesting. So, therefore, tap, patting juba, hand bone, ring shout, stepping, beatboxing. All art forms born out of necessity and And the absence of 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 instruments. And And an attempt to reclaim the drum in the body. Right. So we, we, we love that history. We're fascinated by it. We're diving more and more into it and looking forward to seeing what 
the results of this work will be as more people get their hands on this information. Because most people don't know about mm-hmm. the Stoner Rebellion of 1739 sure. or the Negro Act of 1740. Even today, I don't right. think stepping is known in the public consciousness. Still not. Still yeah. not. It's much better than it was, clearly, but there's still a long way to go. I imagine that it's still a tradition at historically black colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. Are we in a place now in 2020 where I can go take a, mm-hmm. not a step class, because yeah. that's something else, but right, right. <laughs> can I go learn stepping? You can. You can have mm-hmm. more so than you could 20 year, 25 years ago. Yeah. Ever since Spike Lee's movie and Step Africa's work around the world, now you can see stepping in after school programs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people of all backgrounds are stepping in high school, mm-hmm. middle school, elementary school, church step teams. But still, I think today, not only a historically, but a presently dominated African-American art. Yeah, still It has largely. not been co-opted. Not completely. It has by been, the yoga it, ladies. It has, it has been opened up, though. It okay, has been okay. broadened. You know, Latino frats and sororities right. have adopted the tradition of okay. stepping to express pride. And they've developed their own way of doing it. Uh, there have been great exchanges between historically black fraternities and historically white fraternities where they share cultural, do a cultural exchange, and one will teach each other. So there have been some issues. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Is there yeah. a fine line between opening the form and also keeping it in the province of African American? You know, I'm less concerned about the province. I'm more concerned about the history of the art form that being people understand. celebrated. Oh, okay. So even if you're a white American, but you love this tradition, mm-hmm. I think you're welcome to it, right? Know the history. I mean, think about it. Ballet at some point right. was a folkloric tradition owned by a particular people right. that's now since become classical and universal. Right, rock and roll. So rock and roll was specific. Blues, jazz, yeah. right? Really any art form. I mean, I could learn how to Irish step dance if I wanted sure. to. Why can't I learn that? I mean, this is a, it's kind of interesting. So, but we know the history of it. Mm-hmm. So I just encourage anyone who is not necessarily from the culture that created it, and it's not necessarily only African-American culture, but a subset of African-American culture that created Stepping. Mm-hmm. I want to preserve that history. And I also want to use Stepping as a way to connect and share with other cultures. And we should not be afraid of that, about it being co-opted. Let's mm-hmm. just share the history and be excited about the expansion of the form. Brothers and sisters, yes. Step at free. Cup.
want to go from here? You've told, yeah. you've told me what you're working on. What's on the horizon? What's the dream? What's the step in? You game? know, to be honest, we've already achieved so many dreams. We've stepped all over the world. We have a company of 15 full-time artists dedicated to this work. And anyone out there who knows the dance world knows how challenging it is to provide full-time work to artists. So I'm glad that we can do that. So we're committed to that. I mean, the long-term sustainability of Step Africa will allow the long-term growth and sustainability of artists who before we existed didn't have a voice, a place Mm -hmm. to express their tradition. Now we do. And so I want to hold on to that very deeply because 20 years, even five years ago, you would not see stepping at the White House or you would not see stepping on Broadway. We, Step Africa, have been at the forefront of doing that work. And our artists... Uh, are the best at it in the world. You know, they, but they come from the tradition, honestly, and now they take it to stages around the world professionally. Given your name, Step Africa. Yes. Is the goal to wed African and African-American elements mm-hmm. in your work? That's the initial goal. Okay. That's Step Africa one-on-one. Okay. That's our genesis, right? Mm-hmm. Our origin story. Connecting this African-American art form with the continent of Africa, specifically South Africa. But, you know, since then, man, we're connecting with so many different cultures. We've spent a lot of time in Europe mm-hmm. doing exchange programs and working with artists Now it's there. just about spreading the good news. Yeah, all throughout Central South America, the islands, the Caribbean, uh, a little bit in Asia, not so much, uh, and a lot in the Middle East. Percussive dance forms exist all over the world, and we're trying to get at those cultures and explore the similarities. And what we're finding is, as you know, man, at the end of the day, it's crazy how similar we are. That's right. So little divides. It's language, food, you know. Every culture has a dumpling to stretch their protein. Every (laughs) culture has some form of dance. Right. Every culture has And a lot of cultures have a circle dance. Even more specific, every culture has a percussive dance Mm -hmm. where the hands and the feet are used to amplify the experience. So we got to remind ourselves of that, especially in times like now. Yeah, so let's let's take times like now to shift as a footnote. Yeah. I'm in a dressing room here. We can hear the carpenters in the background. Yeah. We're loading out today. When we should be doing a when, show. When we, when we should be attending shows. This is a very difficult time. Yes, it is. For all arts organizations, yeah. big and small, and for anyone artist or otherwise, mm-hmm. who lives in the already precarious gig economy, yeah. who who does not have a salaried paycheck, yes. or even people who get paid by the hour mm-hmm. because everything's shutting down right and left, yes. and we're in uncharted territory yeah. insofar as there's no deadline. Roadmap. There's no roadmap and there's no uh, schedule or timeline right. for when, when we're getting back. Yeah, to when we're getting back. So... How the hell can yeah. arts organizations get through uh, closure? Yeah. Let's talk about, I don't know, let's talk about that and let's talk about what we can do as individuals right. to continue uh, to support the arts while everyone's dark. Right. Well, I mean, it's a tough question, right? And we're only at this point of this interview two days or three days into this experience. So talk about fresh and the wound being just kind of wide open. And folks are just trying to put all kind of Band-Aids. So here's what I'm doing. I'm basically watching all the Band-Aids being put on, and I'm observing them. Like, 
this organization is doing this, this place is doing this. Some people are moving fast. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to give myself at least five days within to this pandemic to kind of figure out how we're going to survive. Because, you know, even if you're a healthy, strong arts organization, you can't survive that long without revenue coming in. And if you're in the performing arts industry, the live performing arts industry, where you rely on social gatherings to support the work, it's just uncharted. So I'm trying to just figure it out. I'm I'm trying to be optimistic. I'm trying to maintain that, knowing that it will end. And so I'm more thinking about how strongly we come back and will the community really be ready to gather once again because we know how beautiful it is when cultures and people gather together in a shared space to experience art. I think it's going to rely upon arts organizations getting really creative over the next couple of months. And I can't, I'm actually kind of curious to see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We do know that streaming online and, and television will, be, will now become even more dominant in our lives. So I was kind of thinking just last night, well, what do we do for that? How do we get into that world? How do we maintain a presence? How do individual artists, small and big and small, especially the small to medium, get involved in this uh, just to maintain a presence? Are there some creative ways to engage our audiences? So I think that we might be surprised how artists respond. You know, we don't necessarily just go down. We'll figure some things out. So I can't wait to see what the figuring, the ruminating results in. As Captain Content for Steinway, I've already received a lot of requests, uh, particularly from China, for video. Really? Right? Because that's... Content. Yeah, content, like, got to have something. We got to have something. Yeah. You know, and that's interesting. So is that that what we should be looking at? How do we do that? Now, of course, monetizing content that will support artists... That's already been a problem. Been a problem since they started the thing, you know. So how do you how do artists support and live that's off right. of content on the internet or that, streaming? That's right, and I mean, and here's the thing too: like, yeah. ultimately, live arts is the salve from the internet. It is. So we always, of course, we have to look to when we're going to return to right. That. But yes, in the interim, let's keep our messaging going. What about this? So I was thinking about this too. Like, what if I look at this Corona hiatus? Corona imposed hiatus <laughs> as a creative opportunity. I mean, you know, artists, question is how we pay for it, but artists always need time. Get back in the shed. To create. Yeah. To see what else is they're going to do. Mm-hmm. What if this is that time? It might, you know, uh, if, not to make light of yeah, all um, the other suffering going on, right. there, but, but this might be a really good time to pause and think about not only the artistic future, but our, our future yeah. as a global community, right. as a functioning planet. Let's ideate. Let's come up with some more different ways to approach this. Who knows what might result from this global silo yeah. we're dealing with now. When we come back into the into the community of others and, and of people, mm-hmm. maybe we'll have some new direction. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that might happen. I, I want to I figure out how to use the time as creatively as possible. Uh, but of course, we must eat in the process. So that's that's at the top of my line right now because I, I've, I've been I've spent my whole career supporting and providing a space for artists that can't end. So well, and it'll, it'll rely upon the goodwill too of our patrons as well. I'm starting to hear that a lot. How will the people who love what we do help us get through that? Mm-hmm. You know. Yes. Yeah, so here's to goodwill and, yeah. and a return as soon as possible with more empathy uh, in our hearts. Yes. And more stepping. Hi, on our stages. Yes, <laughs> right, right. right.
been listening to Soundboard, the Steinway and Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. We heard clips from Herbie Hancock's Rocket from the album Future Shock on Columbia Records. We heard a clip from Spike Lee's School Days, produced by 40 Acres and a Mule Filmworks, distributed by Columbia Pictures. And we heard Step Africa doing their thing. Don't miss Step Africa's online Juneteenth celebration on Friday, June 19. Visit stepafrica.org, with Africa spelled A-F-R-I-K-A, to learn more. Our intro and outro music is Philip Glass's Mad Rush, performed on a Steinway Model M by me, Ben Finan, editor-in-chief at listenmusicculture.com. Question for the podcast? Message me on Facebook at Soundboard, or hit me on the gram at Soundboard Podcast. Thank you for listening.